0: Chapter Six Part Seven of the American Language. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The American Language by H. L. Mencken. Chapter Six The Common Speech. Part Seven The Double Negative. Syntactically, PERHAPS THE CHIEF CHARACTERISTIC OF VULGAR AMERICAN IS ITS STURDY FIDELITY TO THE DOUBLE NEGATIVE. SO FREELY IS IT USED, INDEED, THAT THE SIMPLE NEGATIVE APPEARS TO BE ALMOST ABANDONED. SUCH PHRASES AS I SEE NOBODY OR I KNOW NOTHING ABOUT IT ARE HEARD SO SELDOM THAT THEY APPEAR TO BE AFFECTATIONS WHEN ENCOUNTERED. THE WELL-NIGH UNIVERSAL FORMS ARE I DON'T SEE NOBODY AND I DON'T KNOW NOTHING ABOUT IT. CHARTERS LIST SOME VERY TYPICAL EXAMPLES. Among them, he ain't never comin' back no more, you don't care for nobody but yourself, couldn't be no more happier, and I can't see nothin'. In Lardner there are innumerable examples. They was not no team. I have not never thought of that. I can't write no more. No chance to get no money from nowhere. We can't have nothin' to do, and so on. Some of his specimens show a considerable complexity. For example, Matthewson was not only going as far as the coast, meaning, as the context shows, that he was going as far as the coast and no further. ONLY gets into many other examples, such as, he hadn't only the one pass, and I don't work nights no more, only except Sunday nights. This latter I got from a car conductor. Many other curious specimens are in my collectania. among them, one swaller don't make no summer, I never see nothing I would a rather saw, and Once a child gets burnt once it won't never stick its hand in no fire no more, and so on. The last embodies a triple negative. In The more faster you go, the sooner you don't get there, there is an elaborate muddling of negatives that is very characteristic. Like most other examples of bad grammar encountered in American, the compound negative is of great antiquity and was once quite respectable. The student of Anglo-Saxon encounters it constantly. In that language, the negative of the verb was formed by prefixing a particle, ne. Thus singen, to sing, became ne singen, not to sing. In case the verb began with a vowel, the ne dropped its e and was combined with the verb as in nefre never, from ne efre not ever. In case the verb began with an H or a W followed by a vowel, the H or W of the verb and the E of ne were both dropped, as in nefth, has not, from ne hath not has, and nold, would not, from ne wold. Finally, in case the vowel following a W was an I, it changed to y, as in neist, knew not, from ne wist. But inasmuch as Anglo-Saxon was a fully inflected language, the inflections for the negative did not stop with the verbs. The indefinite article, the indefinite pronoun, and even some of the nouns were also inflected, and survivors of those forms appear to this day in such words as none and nothing. Moreover, when an actual inflection was impossible, it was the practice to insert this ne before a word in the sense of our no or not. Still more... It came to be the practice to reinforce ne before a vowel with ne, not, or not, nothing, which later degenerated to net and not. As a result, there were fearful and wonderful combinations of negatives, some of them fully matching the best efforts of Lardner's baseball player. Sweet gives several curious examples. Nen ne dorst nanthing asien. translated literally, becomes No one dares not ask nothing. VEET HUS ne ne FAIL, becomes THE HOUSE DID NOT FALL NOT. As for the Middle English, HE NEVER naed NOTHING, it has too modern and familiar a ring to need translating at all. Chaucer, at the beginning of the period of transition to modern English, used the double negative with the utmost freedom. In the Knight's Tale is this, HE NEVER YET NO VILLAINY ne SAID IN ALL HIS LIFE UNTO NO MANNER WHITE. By the time of Shakespeare this license was already much restricted, but a good many double negatives are nevertheless to be found in his plays, and he was particularly shaky in the use of nor. In Richard III one finds, I never was nor never will be. In Measure for Measure, Harp not on that, nor do not banish treason. And in Romeo and Juliet, Thou expect'edst not, nor I looked not for. This misuse of nor is still very frequent. In other directions, too, the older forms show a tendency to survive all the assaults of grammarians. No, it doesn't, heard every day and by no means from the ignorant only, is a sort of double negative. The insertion of but before that, as in, I doubt but that, and there is no question but that, makes a double negative that is probably full-blown. Nevertheless, as we have seen, it is heard on the floor of Congress every day, and the Fowlers show that it is also common in England. Even worse forms get into the Congressional record. Not long ago, for example, I encountered, without hardly an exception, in a public paper of the utmost importance. There are indeed situations in which the double negative leaps to the lips or from the pen almost irresistibly. Even such careful writers as Huxley, Robert Louis Stevenson, and Leslie Stephen have occasionally dallied with it. It is perfectly allowable in the Romance languages, and as we have seen, is almost the rule in the American Vulgate. Now and then, some anarchistic student of the language boldly defends and even advocates it. The double negative, said a writer in the London Review a long time ago, has been abandoned to the great injury of strength of expression. Surely, I won't take nothing, is stronger than either, I will take nothing, or I won't take anything, Language begins, says Sace, with sentences, not with single words. In a speech in process of rapid development, unrestrained by critical analysis, the tendency to sacrifice the integrity of words to the needs of the complete sentence is especially marked. One finds it clearly in American. Already we have examined various assimilation and composition forms. that'n, used to, woulda, ere, and so on. Many others are observable. Often is a good example. It comes from off of and shows a preposition decaying to the form of a mere inflectional particle. One constantly hears, "I bought it off and John." Sorta, kinda, and their like follow in the footsteps of woulda. Usent follows the analogy of don't and wouldn't. Would've and should've are widely used. Lardner commonly hears them as would of. And should of. The neutral a particle also appears in other situations, especially before way, as in that away and this away. It is found again in at all, a liaison form of at all. Footnote At all, by the way, is often displaced by any or none, as in he don't love her any and it didn't hurt me none. End of footnote. End of chapter 6, part 7